Well, we're gathered together today, Reliance Church, to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He's risen from the grave. He's conquered sin and death. And in so doing, he has given to us the hope of restoration, of new life with him. The Bible says God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He restored everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. The Bible says this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself. Church, he has restored you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. The Bible says as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Now, what does it mean to be restored? That's a valid question, and it's important for us to understand what it means to be restored. Well, we have to understand the context uh, in which we are restored to. What is the condition that we are restored to? Because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are God's workmanship, that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And when the Bible uses this word workmanship to describe you and to describe me, it's a word that, that means poem, or more accurately, it means work of art. Church, that means that you are God's work of art. Now, some of you, you hear that, and you know the person sitting next to you, and you say, well, I can believe that I'm a work of art, but I think he's a piece of work. That's what I think of him. But I'm a work of art, right? No, every one of you is God's unique individual work of art. That is what the Bible says, Listen, the the psalmist said that God's thoughts towards you, towards us, are more than can be counted. God thinks about us all the time. Now, do you remember when, perhaps those of you who have children, do you remember the day your child was born? How can you forget it? How can you forget that day? I remember for me, I have three children, I have three grandchildren, and I have three more grandchildren on the way. And so this year is going to be a beautiful year for me. I'm going to have six grandchildren. I know, I I don't look old enough to have six grandchildren. I I agree with you. Um, But I am. It's, what does Harrison Ford say? It's not the the years, it's the mileage, right? And, um, you know, when when my children were born, the day my kids were born, I remember that, that it, was, it, was, it was unspeakably amazing. I remember the very first day I, hold my first child, I held my first child in my arms and, and just tears streaming down my face. And I thought, she's a work of art. She's beautiful. Rightly, I thought, you know what? This is the most perfect work that I will ever do in my entire life. And then I had two more just like her. And every single one, I thought, this, this child, this is right here, this is a miracle. This is amazing. This is, this is brilliant. It's a work of art. And the Bible tells us that that is the way that God thinks and feels about every single one of us. He looks at us with an unending love, an unfailing love. We are his workmanship. We are his poem. We are his work of art. And his thoughts towards us, therefore, are more than can be counted. 
God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, thoughts to give you a future and a hope. But we have a problem. We have a problem, and its, its name is sin. You see, the Bible says that sin entered into the world. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. The book of Romans tells us that when Adam sinned, sin entered into the world, and that Adam's sin brought death. And so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Now, this death is not an instantaneous death. It is a slow, progressive death. It is a spiritual death. It's not sudden. It's that steady decay. Here's how Job describes this steady decay of man. He says, man decays like a rotten thing, like a garment that is moth-eaten. You see, you are God's work of art, but sin is present in your heart, is present in my heart. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. We are slowly decaying because we are sinners. Now, there's a perfect illustration that I can think of for this rotting process, and it's defined by a TV show. You guys, probably the, 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 the men of the group especially, uh, will, will identify with this. There's a show, it's called Overhauling. Right? It's one of my favorite shows on television. I love watching this. It's a guy named Chip Foose, and he's a car buff. He's a, he's a, he's a magician with cars. And Chip Foose, I will need that. <coughs> Chip Foose is, uh, is putting together uh, different cars. He's restoring them. And as he restores these cars, they go from being complete junk to, to being just these brilliant, magnificent works of art. Perfect illustration of mankind. Because what happens, here's the premise of the show. You'll have Chip Foose and, and, and his team. He calls it the A-team. And what will happen is uh, they have these different people. They call them marks. They're, they're, they're people that have these classic cars. And the classic cars that the people own, they love them. They're their treasure. They think they're wonderful. And many of them have gone to steps to kind of improve or fix up these cars. But really deep down, when you look at the car, it's got really severe flaws. It's got real fundamental problems. Now, the owners think the cars are great, but the family members, well, they know different. And they get Chip on the phone. They're like, help this guy. Please help this guy. This car, he loves it. It's his pride and joy, but it's, it's just a piece of junk, you know? And so what, what they'll do is they'll, they'll steal the car. They take the car away and they're taking it away to fix it up. And then the twist of the show is that they'll mess with the guy who owns the car. They make him, lead him to believe either the car has been stolen or that it's been impounded or whatever. And so then they, they call them periodically through the show just to string the guy along. He gets more and more frustrated. Give me my car. I want my car back. It was stolen or you guys are keeping it or whatever the case is. And meanwhile, they're slowly working to fix up this car. Now, there's one particular episode. He gets this car. He's fixing it up. And this car, as they take it in. Now, I'm looking at it. I see the car. And I go, that, that car looks all right. Well, then they do this thing called media blasting where they take it in and they actually just sandblast it or whatever it is that they do. They take all the paint off the car and, and it reveals what's really underneath. 
And you see this car is just filled with Bondo. Bondo is this, this putty kind of resinous kind of thing that you put on to cover over the dents and you put it on to cover over the rusts and the car is filled with it and so they start just blasting all of this away and the car literally falls apart. And they have to go find two other cars that are the same make and the same model and cut those all up just to get enough of the basic metal to work with to keep the car all together and to work it and all. And, and finally... You know, they bring this car out, and it's pristine. It's completely restored. And as I think about it, I think this this show and this, this premise, it's a perfect picture of you and of me. Because we have this car of our life, and we think the world of ourselves, you know, and this is my life, and I've got it fixed up the way that I want it, and I think it's all good and well and, and so on. But when you take a good look underneath what you see, is that it's filled with rust, it's filled with Bondo. It's a piece of work. It's not a piece of art. And so all of us, we're there and we're in that place. And maybe you here this morning, you know. You know where the Bondo is in your life. You know those issues in your life, that those dents and that rust rotted away section that you've filled in, that you've covered over, that those things that we look to complete ourselves or to fix ourselves. And, and, and again, the, the show is, is very realistic because a lot of ways too, we end up, God wants to take us and he wants to shape us. He wants to mold us. He wants to fix us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. God wants to take your life. And he he wants to take all of that bondo away, all of those things that you have tried to fill and to complete your life with, all of those things in your life that you have tried to to cover over the rot, to cover over the rust, God wants to, to truly fix it. And in this show, the owners fight against the one who is really trying to restore the car better than they could ever do themselves. They don't realize the whole time they're fighting, man, this guy is completing what was once a work of art and what is being restored. It's this perfect description of us. And deep down, deep down, we, owe, we know that we need help. All of us do. And I would ask you today, what are you feeling, filling the holes in your life with? Speaking of their condition before they came to Jesus, the apostle Paul told the Colossians, you were dead because of your sins and because, listen, your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Like this car, the rust, the rot, the the bondo that you've tried to fill things in, it needs to be cut away and God wants to do that in your life today. Years ago, as a paramedic, I responded to a call of a woman who was attempting suicide. She'd been dumped by her boyfriend. She was bouncing from one relationship to another. And the poor girl just needed love. She just needed someone, anyone, that was going to love her. And so she bent her life around men. This is what she did. She went, ran from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship. And one by one, the people that she trusted in, the things, the bondo, metaphorically speaking, that she looked to fill in those holes in her life, one by one they failed her. They let her down. And so then she turned to drugs. She turned to alcohol. Anything she could to numb her pain. While all the while, running from man to man, trying to fill the void that she had in her life. 
But when these things failed in her life, and they always do, she gave up. She filled one final thing. She filled the bathtub up with water. She took a handful of pills. She washed it down with a bottle of wine. She slit her wrist. She was trying for real to end this thing. And she laid in the bathtub just waiting to die. Mercifully, her sister found her. She called 911. And would you know, when we arrived, she fought against us. And it was a pathetic sight just looking at this poor woman. You know, you've got, you've got uh, you know, a whole room full of firemen that are there to save her life. And she's fighting against us. She doesn't stand a chance. And we yank her out of that tub. We throw bandages on those bleeding wrists. We lash her down to the gurney. She's now strapped and restrained to the gurney. We're trying to start an IV on her to save her life. And all the while, she's fighting. Are you fighting today? The Lord wants to save you. The Lord wants to rescue you. He wants to fill your life with the love that only He can give. And some of you are like this woman. You're fighting. You've you've resisted the love of the Lord. He just wants to save you. And he's the only one that can save you, church. He loves you with an unfailing love. And listen, if that's you, you've come to the right place. Easter, the message of Easter, the message of Christ and him crucified, dying on the cross for our sins in our place, going to the grave that you and I should have gone to, raising again on the third day, which is what we celebrate today. This is the message of Easter. And this is the message for you this morning. The Bible says that God, through Jesus Christ, He restores us. That He loves you with an unfailing love. The psalmist said that His faithfulness endures forever. 1 John 1.9 tells us, as we prayed this morning, that God demonstrates His own love towards us in this, that while we are yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Church, Jesus died for you. He loves you. He died to give you life. And He wants to give you life today. The Apostle Paul told the Colossians in the Colossians church in Colossians chapter 2, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross like that old car that the owners could not fix. God could fix it, and he fixed it in the person and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And on that cross, the Bible tells us that Jesus died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and who rose again. Now, why did Jesus have to die on the cross in the first place? This question lies at the heart of the message this morning. Because while it's true that God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through Christ to reconcile everything to himself. Listen, he restored everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. But how did he do so? The Bible says, by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Colossians 1.21 tells us, yet now he has reconciled. He is restored. Listen to how the New Living Translation puts it. It says that God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his, his enemies. You were separated from him by your evil thoughts and by your evil actions. And yet now he has reconciled you to himself. He has restored you to himself. 
Not through your works, not through your own efforts, not by you having this once piece of art that, is, art that has become rusted and, and, and dented and that you try to fix up yourself. No, he has restored it himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. He's done what you can't. See, the Bible teaches that by nature we are separated from God by our sin. Paul told the Ephesian church, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. But listen, the Bible says in the book of Romans that there are are many who become slaves to sin. And maybe today that's you. Maybe you've become enslaved to sin. Maybe you're sitting here and right now you're thinking, you know, the message of Easter, the message of the cross, the message of the empty tomb, that's all good news. But you know what? It's too late for me. I've done too much. I've become enslaved. I've become addicted. And I'm ashamed. And I'm dirty and I'm defiled. Listen, maybe the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you this morning. And you say, that's me. He's talking about me. Here's what I would tell you. I would tell you that the enemy works both sides of the fence in your life. See, on this side of of the fence in your life, the enemy tempts you. And and he puts those temptations in front of you. And he knows you. He studies you. He knows you like a book. And so he'll put those temptations in your life. And there's that lure. And like this fish, man, you you just bite into that thing. And he's got you on the line. And the minute he hooks you, the minute he gets you addicted, the minute you fall into sin, he jumps over the other side of the fence in your life. And he convicts you and he condemns you. And he says, you call yourself a Christian. What a hypocrite you are. Look at you. Look how ugly you are. Look how defiled you are. Or maybe he says, you know what? You're not a Christian, but you couldn't ever be a Christian because your life is miserably ugly. You're rotten. You're filthy. He's a liar. The Bible says that Satan is a liar. And he lies to you. Because here's the truth. Listen, the Bible says that if we confess our sins... That God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that word all mean? All means all. That's all all means. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness in Christ Jesus. And the word is you confess. What does confess mean? That word confess means that you agree with God. You simply agree with God. When the enemy says, you're filthy, you're awful, you're a hypocrite, look at your sins here. You know what you do is you agree with him. You go, you know what, you're right. Settle the argument. You're right. And that's sin. I'm not going to call it anything else. I'm not going to call this, well, you know, I'm genetically predisposed to be, you know, chemically addicted to whatever, or, you know, this is my illness, or whatever it is. No, no, no. Just agree with God. It's sin. Just call it what it is. Just agree. It's sin. But you're also agreeing with God that Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for that sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. God demonstrates his own love for you in this, that while you're yet sinners, Jesus died for you on the cross, in your place, for your sin. And he's paid the penalty. It's paid in full. When Jesus died on the cross, he said to Telestai, he said, it is finished. Paid in full. And so the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the writer of Hebrews says this, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may, may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you have a time of need today? I'm here to tell you that you can find grace and mercy and hope in Jesus Christ. 
And in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you an invitation to respond to the message of Jesus Christ, to respond to the hope. Some of you having wandered today, some of you come here, you call yourself a Christian and you know the Spirit of God speaking to you. Hey, you're in a place where you need to repent. You need to respond to the Lord. You need to confess your sins to the Lord. You're going to have an opportunity today to respond, to come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace in your time of need. Some of you having never surrendered to the Lord, you're going to get an opportunity today to call out to the Lord, to cry out to Him. You say, I've done too much. I can't cry out to the God. I, I, know, I know who I am. I, I go, I'm going to go to God and I'm going to say, God, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. And then, you know what? I know myself. I'm gonna, I, I won't be changed overnight. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to go in and I'm going to sin again. Well, that's where you're wrong. The Bible says you will be changed, changed overnight, changed in an instant. Are you going to sin again? I guarantee you, you will. But Jesus Christ paid for that too. Can I just tell you this? And this isn't in my notes, but I just feel led of the Lord to tell you this. When Jesus died on the cross, he died 2,000 years ago. He died before any sins had ever been committed in your life because you had not yet been born. And yet the Bible tells us he died for every single one of your sins. So what does that mean? That means that if you're struggling right now today and you say, when that invitation is given, I can't go forward because I know I'm going to sin again. Hey, guess what? Jesus died for you before you ever committed the first one. He died for you before you ever committed the last one too. And that's not cheap grace. That's not saying, hey, you know, Jesus Christ is a license to live any way you want. No, but what I'm saying is come to Christ and he will change you. He will change you. You won't be made perfect, but you'll be changed. And you can do that by faith today. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And listen, that grace and mercy is found only in Jesus Christ who died for your sins. The Bible tells us that there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ who gave himself a ransom for all. Now, that word mediator, it means one who intervenes between two or one who intervenes between two to make or restore peace and friendship. Listen, do you have peace and friendship with God this morning? You can. I'd like to share with you briefly a testimony that one of our members put on her Facebook page. And with her permission, I asked if I could share it with you this morning. Her name's Jennifer. And here's her testimony, a very brief snapshot. She, she writes, seven years ago, I experienced God's forgiveness His grace, mercy, and restoration power like never before. I wanted my relationship with Christ back so bad that I was willing to do whatever it took. Do you want your relationship back with God? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? She says, I wanted it so back, back so bad I was willing to do whatever it took. That Easter, the cross became more real than ever. I had a lot of stuff up on that cross, a lot. And if it weren't for that cross, where would I be today? I celebrate forgiveness, grace, and mercy this Easter weekend, 2013, and say, it's there for you too. Even the most hopeless of circumstances, the most difficult of roads, Jesus died for that as well, and he wants to restore you. Don't miss the message of the cross in your life this Easter. Listen, the Bible says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Do you know what that means? That means right now, this very moment, Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, the one who went to the grave for your sins, the one who suffered, died, buried, rose again on the third day, conquering sin and death, that Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God right this second. And he's praying for you by name. He's praying for you. Believe that. It's the truth. He desires that none should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. Maybe today you've wandered. Maybe you think it's too late. Maybe you think you've done too much. No, the Bible says neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us, listen, from the love of God. He loves you. You're his work of art. The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, what do we do with this information today? We respond. That's what we do. In just a few moments, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up on the platform. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to this message. To be restored by God in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Listen to me carefully. Some of you today have wandered from a relationship with God. And today is your opportunity to return. You need to turn. You need to come forward. You need to be restored by God. Some of you have never surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You've never trusted Jesus. And today you need to be restored to the life that God intended. Some of you can't remember a time. You say you call yourself a Christian, but can you remember a time when you took a stand for Jesus publicly? You need to respond today. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. You have an opportunity in just a moment to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to come to him if you've wandered. And I pray that you'd respond. So at this time, I'd like to pray. And as we're praying, we're going to have the worship team come up and I'm going to give you an invitation to respond. And some of you right now, you know, you're thinking, your mind is thinking, I, I, I can't respond. I can't respond. And your heart is saying, I have to respond. Listen, that's God working in your heart. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight or today. And we cry out to you. Lord, I pray that you would move across this place. Lord, I pray that those that you are speaking to, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself. God, I pray that you would help us to respond to you. Lord, today, we respond to the gospel. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And God loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, we thank you for that. And Father, today I pray that you, through this gathering of people, 
that you would move and work. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would pour yourself out, that you would speak to each one, that you would give them courage, that you would give them boldness, Lord, to respond to you. I pray, Lord, for everyone here, Lord, that you would call them to repentance and that you would do this work. I ask, Father, that you would help us to hear your voice and to respond to it. As we remain in an attitude of prayer, if you would like to receive God's forgiveness, if you would like to have your sins wiped clean, I'd like to invite you to stand right where you are, right this moment. If you've heard the Lord speak to you, I just want to invite you, just stand up. I see you, brother. Just stand up. See you, see you, see you. Lord, I've heard your voice. Lord, I know you're speaking to me. It's time to come home. It's time to hear from him. Some of you here today, you need a fresh start. You've walked with the Lord and you've walked away from the Lord. And you know who you are. And the enemy is just working on you right now saying you can't stand up. Listen, I'm here to tell you you can. I'm here to tell you that you have to. You know if you need to take a stand for the Lord. You need to stand up. You say, Lord, I've wandered. And Lord, I'm weak. I need your strength. If that's you, you stand up right now. Wherever you are, you stand up. Some of you here are like the prodigal son. You've been away from God. You've taken your inheritance and you've squandered it in prodigal living. You know that's you. I want to invite you to stand as well. Don't fight the Lord. You know that you need to stand. We're continuing in an attitude of prayer. And we're continuing this invitation. And as we do, those of you that have had the courage and the boldness to stand... I need you to come up here. I need you to walk to the front. We see you standing. Come on up. Come on. I need you guys to stand up here. I need you to walk up here. Hey, this is not an age thing. Maybe you're a young, young child and you know God's speaking to you and you want to come up. You get up here. You walk forward now. As these are responding to the Lord, I know by the Spirit of God, there are more of you that need to respond. And so we're going to worship the Lord, and I'm going to ask you guys to stand up here with me. You're taking a stand for Christ. God bless you. Thank you for having the courage to come forward. And as we continue worshiping, I want to invite, there's many more of you that need to come forward. I want to invite you to come forward as we worship the Lord together. Let's worship the Lord.
troubled marriage. And you say, you know, it's not just me that needs to be restored. Pastor Ted, my marriage needs to be restored. And I believe that's a word from the Lord. There are some of you couples, you need to come up and you need to seek the restoration of your marriage by the power of Jesus Christ in your life. And I know that that's a word for some of you. And so if that's you, as we continue to worship the Lord, you need your marriage restored. I want to implore you, you come as we sing. You be praying, church, you be praying. sense of this and you you just you're confused by a lot of it but all you know is that right now your heart is beating a thousand miles an hour and you know you need to be up here and I just want to tell you that that's the spirit of God moving upon your life and so if that's you as your heart is just racing as you're saying you've got that battle going on right now and I know that because we've all been there and you're in a place right now, you're thinking, I can't, if I go forward, people are going to know I got problems. I, they're going to know I got issues. Hey, can I just tell you, every single person sitting here has got problems. We all got issues, man. We love you. We want to see you know Jesus. And if that's you, you come forward right now. You know you need to be up here. We're going to worship the Lord. Come forward. This is the last invitation. You need Christ. Come forward as we worship the Lord. Shout it. Go on and scream it from the mountains. Go on and tell it to the masses that he is God.
those of you that have responded, I want to lead you in a prayer. For some of you, this is a prayer of rededication. For many of you, this is a prayer of salvation, to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and I just pray you to encourage you to pray out loud with me as we pray. And we pray now, Father God, I give my life to you. I trust you to restore me. Lord, I confess that you are God. You died on the cross for my sin in my place. I believe that you were buried and I believe you rose on the third day and that you conquered sin and death and that you purchased my life which I now surrender to you. Come in to my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help me to walk in obedience with you. Help me to trust you with every area that I've tried to fill myself. You're God. I'm not. I surrender to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Let's celebrate, church.